What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And joining us today, as well as Ethan Hughes, who writes and also covers the press conferences, does other stuff for the site and other breaking news for us folks over here at Gator Country as well. And the Gators came back to the swamp to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores, a team who is two and three with losses to Stanford, Georgia, and East Tennessee, and wins against UConn. And Colorado State, right now, the spread is 39 points up from 38. And let me go ahead and ask you folks, man, uh, start Mm-mm. with you, Andrew, man. Yeah, no. I can already see you. No. I can already see you shaking your head. No. No way, shape, or are, form. Are they covering that spread, Andrew? Nope. What about you, Ethan? What do you think? I mean, Vanderbilt's pretty awful, so it'll probably get close to it. I think I think my final score that we're – Predicted that I predicted my article is going to come out tomorrow or Friday morning, so it's probably out by now. But I had a 35 point spread, so I have it slightly under, but I think it's possible. I think it's Dan possible Mullen's too. football teams do not blow people out. I have told you guys this they don't blow people out. Listen no. to me once. But Vanderbilt doesn't play this. people close, so something has to well, give. <laughs> something has to give. We'll see. Speaking of that, before we get into Vanderbilt, let's just let's just kind of get here, get back to this week in general. And it hasn't been the best of weeks for Dan Mullen. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Hasn't been the best of weeks. Uh, Monday's press conference was bizarre. Um, Ethan, you know, you, you were there as well as I was. Um, he was asked about his, you know, thumb wrestling and did the team still have energy and did they still want come out and win, yada, yada, yada. And he defended himself. He, he instantly defended himself talking about, you know, hey, if I go for a power walk in the morning, I'm going to try to be ahead of you because I don't want to be behind, um, you know, this, that, and the other. And he continued to go down that path. Let me say this. Actions speak louder than words. I'm sure ever I'm sure both of you guys have heard that before. Your grandparents probably told you that. And my grandpa told me that from the time I could get, you know, could talk. Actually speak louder than words. And we'll see on Saturday. Because once again, Florida's playing for pride for the rest of the year. That's it. Pride. Yep. Nothing else. Not going to Atlanta. You're not going to the college football playoff. You're playing for pride. We'll see. Yep. Yep. You're playing for pride and New Year's Six Bowl at this point. That's still, I guess, technically within reach. But see, I yeah. hate that. I hate that. What does a New Year's Six Bowl mean? It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It, okay, yes, the team's gonna or the SEC is gonna little, get a, a little bit better of a payout, but it doesn't mean anything. You're just the second loser or the third loser or the fourth loser in the SEC, whatever it may be. I hate that saying. Like, And I get it, Ethan. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying in general, you know, the notion's always out there. Well, New Year's Six Bowl, who cares? There's one bowl that matters. College football playoffs. I mean, yeah. I mean, the players clearly don't even care. And you see half the teams opt out and stuff. So uh, if they don't care, I don't know why anybody else should. Well, you know, there's one team – that you we kind of just mentioned that has Florida in their name. That's not even going to lose a bowl game because they won't make it there, and that would be Florida State. So, hey, they're on a one game winning streak right now. I know, longest in the yeah, uh, they got state. like yeah, they got like UMass coming up this week too. So it might it's going to oh, be two games. Lord. Yeah, they might win two in a row. We might Lord. have to uh, throw a cartwheel party for them, Andrew. What do you say, man? I think we well, uh, let's just make a bet. If they lose to UMass, we take away last week's win. Okay, well, yeah, we'll do that then. But yeah, I mean. It could be worse, though. Like I said, you could be Florida State. It could be worse. It could, it be, could worse. be worse. And, and and again, 
we're going to find out a lot about this program on Saturday. And, you know, we, we joke about 39-point spread or 38, whatever y'all said. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, you, we, we joke about that and, and Mala not blowing teams out. And they probably won't blow. I mean, they probably won't cover. In my, in my opinion, I think I said 41-17, so that's 34 points. Um, whatever it may be. But still, you're going to learn a lot about this football team. You're going to learn a lot about this program going forward. Um, I, I wanted to hit on something, though, before we get on the Vanderbilt game. And this is a question for both of you guys. Um, our man David Wonderlick on Gator Country wrote a great story about why Dan Mullen struggles in these bad games. Where and, he, and, and his column was about the margin of error that Dan Mullen has is so slim. And he brought up the point that, you know, David, you and I talked about on Sunday's podcast, and that is he is such a great, great play caller against the big guys, the Alabamas of the world, the Vandys, I mean, the uh, Georgias of the world. But he's so bad against Vandy and Kentucky and some of these other smaller schools. And and it was a good point that David had. You know, the the margin of error is there. Uh, It's not there. You you don't have that five-star player who can just take one play and and score. And you don't have that margin of error, and it trickles all the way down in this program. I'm going to ask you. I'll, I'll start with you, David. Yeah. What do you do? Do you agree with that? I mean, is do you think it, it that margin of error is so slim that you know you you have to start coming out with some of these games and you know playing harder? Or I, I don't know. Well, I got two things. It, it all goes back to recruiting too. So if yep. you recruit at a more elite, higher level, you can afford to have closer games with teams and still be able to pull it off. So like if you go out there, you pass a, uh, a you're doing the spread offense, you pass a, a pass out to a wide receiver that's running a four three as opposed to one that's running like a four six, he could possibly take it to the house instead of getting ten to twenty yard chunks. And that really helps, too. It's like, what if we would have had Percy Harvin out there on the field? And I know he's gone. He's long gone. He's one of the best Florida Gator players. But just as an example, throw him out there. So what if we had Percy Harvin out there, and he's out there catching passes, and he's taking it to the house just about every time he touches the football? Uh, you know, that helps you in a close game. All they needed was a touchdown. You can't get a touchdown out of, of what, number one, Jacob Copeland, the guy that's wearing the number one jersey, the guy that you put the number one jersey on. You didn't even toss it to him the whole game. I mean, what's the point in wearing the number one jersey, putting it on him if you're not going to go to your playmaker? I think that what happened with that game plan is they didn't go to their playmakers, and Dan Mullen makes a big mistake of, I think when he plays like the Vanderbilts and the Kentuckys and the the lower-ranked SEC teams that he knows you're going to go in there and probably run over, I think he gets a little conservative. He doesn't want to give away too much, and I think he's afraid to give away too much to the teams like the Alabamas and the Georgias and the LSUs, and I think that's something that he has to get away from. Because, you know, granted, that Kentucky game was close and it came down to special teams, which you have to be good at all three phases of the game, like you said last week. Here's the thing. If you have great athletes, they go to special teams. And they block kicks. Special teams. And they block kicks. Jeff Dent. Return kicks. Chris Rainey. Those guys were freaks. I I believe Rainey still holds the record for most block kicks and block punts in a season. And and what it kills me too, and I'll let you I'll let you speak, Ethan. I just give me a second. I, <laughs> what kills me is the fact that you got two five star running backs sitting on the bench, and you got you know I'm not going to diss Jamarcus Weston. He's just not the best guy on special teams. But you got no. those two guys right back there, along with Finley Graham, a guy that you recruited to return kicks and play on special teams, and they're sitting on the bench. Uh, guys that could have probably helped you out in that Kentucky game or got you better field position on some of these kicks, uh, these punt returns or kick returns, 
and you're not using them. You're not utilizing your talent to the fullest potential. Yeah. I think, yeah, the margin for error definitely is smaller. I think the, maybe the reason why it's smaller isn't so much recruiting base as it is the just m- mentality the entire program seems to have where it's, it's almost like they're thinking, okay, we can beat everybody else. We just need to chase down Georgia and Alabama because they beat Georgia. They c- come close against Alabama twice. And you just think that they can just coast past the other 10 teams on their schedule. And they just, as you found out last week, they cannot do that. They're not good enough to beat anybody on talent alone. They have to have that pedaled to the metal type of feeling every week. And they just, they take large stretches of time off. And I don't, that's what championship teams do. That's what championship teams do. Ethan uh, is they play week in and week out. Like the opposing team is the national champion. Yeah. And you see what happened with Alabama. They did the same thing. They, they went out there and they completely pushed around Alabama on that offensive line. That offensive line and defensive line looked completely different in that Kentucky game because they didn't play up to the standard that they played into into that Alabama game because they wanted to win that game. Kentucky played like they wanted to win that game, and that's what happened. They ran through your offensive line. They ran through your defensive line right up the middle, at least five yards of play. I, I, I don't know how many times I've seen like five- and six-yard plays right up the middle of that defensive line, and that's the problem is – you like the margin for error. You can't like you're not good enough talent wise, like Ethan said, to be able to play down to these lower ranked SEC teams. Not yet. Yeah. It has to get better in recruiting and even in the transfer portal. I mean, Dan's done great in the transfer portal, but he's got to start hitting some of these high school kids. At the end of the day, it's this: it's depth, it's quality depth, and it's having enough talent to sometimes overcome adversity. Yep. And right now, I don't know that they can overcome adversity. And and, and I'm not going to call names, but when you have 10 false start points, you need someone to hop in and be able to go take that place. Because obviously, those three guys weren't getting the job done in the center of the, of the line of scrimmage. You needed to be able to replace those guys. I guarantee you one thing, you have four or four false starts under Nick Saban, you're sitting the bench beside him. Yeah. You're not playing. You're not playing. You're sure not getting back on the field, and you sure ain't going to walk over there to him and tell him, hey, well, I, I got messed up on the snap count, because he's going to say, why? Why? Well, yeah, that's another thing. You've, they've got to be more willing to use their depth that they do have. It seems like it takes them losing before they make any changes. Like last game, when you see that your center is having a hard time knowing when to snap the ball, why not move Stuart Reese inside the center where he played the entire spring? Why does it take calamity happening before somebody decides to maybe start changing something? Yeah, and Tarquan and Braun had played well um, on that right side of the line, and it, and it, 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 ju- it does. And, it, you know, and the notion has been Dan doesn't play young guys. And he, you know, he gets mad when you say that. But the notion's correct. Whether you like it or you don't like it, the notion's correct. He doesn't play young guys. That's offense. That's defense. He was forced to play Jason Marshall at corner. He didn't want to. He didn't want to. He had he, he put Avery Helm there. Um, he didn't want to start him, but he did. Um, you have several other guys, you know, just like Bowman. And, I, and, again, I don't think the running back position per se – was bad there, but the receiver position and that blocking on the edge in that tight end spot is bad. atrocious right now. Bad. It's atrocious. Yeah. We've heard about Nick Elkison since the spring. 
it's time. It's time to see it because guess what? Kamori's gone after this year. I haven't seen enough from Keon Zipper to say, hey, I, I feel great that he's going to be the guy next year. Uh, Jonathan Odom hasn't done anything. Uh, you haven't seen anything from these young guys. At, well, you hadn't even really seen Odom except for a couple of plays blocking. I mean, you, you have to start to wonder when, you know, the old saying is, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Or fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. You, you're not fooling us anymore, Dan. You, you know, you, you have to look yourself in the mirror here, and it is the University of Florida. It's not Mississippi State where you have four years that you can, you know, grow your guys and get better and, you know, go to the JUCO portal. It, it just doesn't happen at Florida. And at Florida, you should have a couple guys in your recruiting class that make impacts in your class that year one. I mean, it happens everywhere in the country. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and, and also, uh, let's allude to this too. I think Dan Mullen kind of takes these freshmen, like the let's throw Lingard or DeMarcus Bowen out there. Lingard's been there for a while. Right. You need to start. You need to start using this guy. He's even on Twitter complaining about playing time right now. But say for instance, DeMarcus Bowman, I think you know with the four, you know you can play four games and still keep a year of eligibility. I think Dan is kind of writing that as well. But it's newsflash, dude. Bowman's so good, he's probably only going to be there for a couple years anyway. You might as well just use the guy. I mean, yeah. like, put him what on. What happened to the two-back set you supposedly had yeah. where you were going to get Naquan and Bowman on the field together or Malik and Bowman on the field or Malik and Naquan on the field? What happened to that? Well, I don't like him putting a receiver back there like like Xavier Henderson because that's a guy that you need to be on offense receiving passes. You don't right. need to risk injury to a guy when you got two five-stars just collecting dust on the bench that could be returning kicks as well. So, well, I don't know, man. I'm is, not a head you're coach. You're not setting – you're not setting Xavier up to succeed right. in, in that situation because if Florida's a team that's stuck in the middle on punt return and a, a head coach that I used to work for said, never be stuck. You either go all out for the punt or you go all out for the return. Don't be stuck in between. Yeah. You, you can't because when you do that, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's where it looks like at Florida. They, they don't go after the kick, but they also don't set up the return. And – it's it's frustrating to see because your offense is struggling at certain periods of time and you're not giving you know punt returns are free yards yeah. it's free kick returns are free yards and you're not getting those you know how many times does the ball have to bounce in the end zone or or, or to the one or to the five and you go 95 yards before you say you know what 75 or 60 or 65 is the easier Yep. More possessions. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, and, and David Wonderlick had a great article all about it. I mean, you can check it out on GatorCountry.com. I and mean, he goes really in-depth on it, too. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty long article, but, uh, man, if, if you take time to read that article, man, you, you, you'll, it'll, it'll open up your eyes a little bit. It opened up mine when I read it earlier today, and that's the, the margin for error, man. I mean, it just – see, you, Georgia can go out there and have a bad game because they got – 8,000 guys that are five stars on defense and can hold teams to 4.8 on average points per game. So they don't even score touchdowns on Georgia right now. No, no team except for South Carolina, I believe, has scored but a touchdown. Now, let's, let's think about this, too. Georgia just got to that because the yeah. last few years, that's where the problem has been. Georgia has taken a few games lightly here and there, and they've dropped games. Yeah. They've finally gotten to the point there. But, again, 
I mean, it, it goes back to the championship mentality, and that's why you, you can never tell me Kirby Smart's going to win and win big because he has that mentality of, you know, just, for instance, in the Arkansas game. What are you doing throwing Stetson Bennett out there? Yeah. You felt that comfortable about yourself? Well, newsflash, Arkansas's an offense away from doing okay, and you decided to sit JT Daniels because of that. I mean, it goes back to last year with Florida and Kyle Pitts against LSU. It's a, it's a mindset. And, Ethan, I'll ask you that. Do, do you think the Kentucky game was a mindset from Florida from the top down that, hey, it's Kentucky and, you know, they've beaten us one time out of the last, what, 39 years? I mean, it had to be for some of the mistakes that you saw with the, I mean, how did eight false starts happen unless there's some sort of lack of preparation or not taking something seriously enough? That's not a mistake that you can just, I can say they just lost the game because they've thrown three interceptions. Okay. That's going to happen. Work with your quarterback on making better decisions. You can kind of fix that. But when you just can't get a playoff correctly and the other team has absolutely nothing to do with it, that's absolutely a mindset problem or, just a preparation problem with the way they don't, they didn't practice correctly or something. Well, it kind of even happened a little bit in the Alabama game where, and Ethan, you, uh, you'll remember this more than me. I'm, my memory's going out here all the time, but um, wasn't it two timeouts because they didn't get to play in on offense in the first quarter? Yeah. Like, I think, on the first yeah. two or three drives? I think one of them they didn't get to play it in. in one was a delay game for up. sure. And the second one, yeah. I'm, was maybe a lineup issue. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But still, so you're you're looking at these problems, and you know you can go back to last year. And last yeah. year it was more defensively. Um. And 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 the thing is, is okay. Maybe Kyle Trask last year, you know, took charge of that a little bit more than Emory does. Um. I'm still at the point where you're not going to tell me Emory lost the game against Kentucky. There's not. No, he didn't. He was handcuffed. You have to take the chains off the guy. If you're not going to give him the full opportunity to win or lose the game, then don't blame him. And and my thing is this, and and that is, okay, I don't know that Emory's not the guy. I I don't know that because I haven't been able to see him go out there and fully do everything. I know Emory can throw the deep ball. Well, guess what? If you throw the deep ball, intermediate stuff is out. They threw zero passes over 20 yards last week against Kentucky. Okay, I get Dan said, you know, they were playing one high bell safety uh, with their safety belling and their corners belling. I get that. But the key to that is hit your underneath stuff, force that defense to change and come up, then you hit it over the top. You got Xavier Henderson and Jacob Copeland, who are two of your, your better receivers in the SEC. They can take the top off of defenses. You've got to suck them up. Um, it was LSU – no, excuse me, it was Mississippi State two years ago where Dan did exactly that. Mississippi State was playing basically a prevent-style defense, and they hit screen passes after screen passes to the wide receivers. Eventually, they came up, and Grimes and Van and Tyree were able to go over the top, and it, hmm. and it opened things up. And it just – I'm not smarter than Dan Mall, but I, I can see it. Yeah, Dan can see it. Dan's yeah. not dumb. He can see it. So if it's an Emory problem, show us it's an Emory problem and put someone else in. If it's not an Emory problem and it's your problem not trusting me, Vanderbilt's a great time to say, hey, I trust you. Go throw it. Go throw it. Yeah, they, he had several opportunities where he could have hit some balls deep down the field. And I also wonder if maybe the penalties hurt them that way too because they never really 
got in a situation where they were in a third and short or anything, they were in like third and 13 and the defense, even if they hit the intermediate passes, they weren't going to suck up towards the line of scrimmage because they knew you had to get 13 yards. And so it really, that, that the penalties kind of think screwed up a lot more of the game plan than it wasn't just, it wasn't just as simple of it's five yards or 10 yards, whatever it, I think fundamentally changed everything they were trying to do because then with the way the offensive line's playing, you have to try to call plays that are going to, because it wasn't just the penalties, but they were also getting beaten pass protection a lot too. So you had to call p- plays that would kind of neutralize the impact the offensive line would have on the game, and it just turned into a fiasco. Yeah, yeah, it was downright terrible. And and at the same time too, the you know the only attempt that Emory Jones made that looked like it was going to be more than a twenty yard attempt, it got intercepted. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there was a trust issue with that. I mean, you obviously seen it all game. Every time they were in third and long or something, he just handed yep. the ball off or tried to do some kind of design run play. But then, you know, and I alluded to this last week, you, you when you desperately needed the points, the last two drives, you drove the ball 50 yards down the field. Emory Jones passing the ball. The offense looked way more creative when you needed the points. But like I said, where was that all game? You could have been doing this all game, and then it alluded. It goes back to this. I think Dan Mullen gets scared to give too much away before he plays yep. the big teams like the LSU's and the Georgias, which is well, guess stupid what? Because now, now it doesn't matter. Now it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't matter. You beat Georgia, and guess what? It doesn't matter. Georgia gets to laugh in your face. Yeah, and then yep. that that's the problem. Just you gotta you gotta quit being scared. You gotta just take the chains off Henry Jones and let it let just let it rip. Who cares? Let it rip. Yeah. yeah, you can't embarrass yourselves anymore. You already have, so might as well. Right, and I just um, a philosophical part of this program has got to change, yeah. and it's got to change from the top down. It's got to change on Saturdays. It's got to change in recruiting. It's got to change in general. The University of Florida logo can only do so much for you. The University of Florida logo does not win you championships automatically. The University of Florida logo does not land you five stars automatically. The University of Florida logo does not make you a college football playoff contender automatically. It does not make you win football games against bad teams when you play back. Yeah. You have to have that mindset. And it it's I don't I don't know what that mindset is is uh, what's wrong with that mindset but it's whatever it is it, it just continues to filter from year in and year out it's always and you know I'll, I'll say this and then we can start previewing Vanderbilt here but Mullen was asked on Monday what is it going to take to get back to Atlanta this year what does it take to get there and his response was we were there last year what does that mean you were there last year congratulations okay now answer the question <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the participation for losing to Alabama. Congratulations. Guess what? Last year means nothing. What are you going to do this year? It's that like kind of throwing you a sympathy party. Like he wants some sympathy that he got to Atlanta. Congratulations. Nobody cares. You didn't win. Yeah. McElwain made it there two years in a row and got fired. Nobody cares. Yeah. Missouri was there two years in a row. Guess what? Nobody even cares about Missouri. Guess what? Iowa plays in the Big Ten Championship all the time. Um, who was it? Indiana played in last year. Nobody cares. Right. You you think if Tom Brady goes to the Super Bowl this year and he loses the Super Bowl, is he going to go up there in the press conference, post-game press conference, and say, well, we won it last year? No, yeah. he's not. <laughs> That's just something Tom Brady doesn't say. You know why? Because he is great at what he does, and he gets the job done. That's why. 
So he's not going to say stuff like that. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, you guys want to preview Vanderbilt now? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. I mean, Vandy, Vandy's awful. <laughs> they suck. Vanderbilt's They're awful. Terrible. Oh, well, well, hold on. We said this last week about Kentucky, yeah. and, it, and it blew up in our face. So well, let's not jinx that. Well, Vanderbilt is awful. Kentucky though. still sucks. They, so. Yeah, they still suck. Yes, they do. And by the way, that 39-point spread, you said no. Ethan, you said what? Yeah, you said maybe uh, a close I said, to I said it. no, but it's close. Okay, well, you know, Spivey still sticks to his philosophy. The only way we're going to get a blowout is if DJ Polly D walks into uh, Gainesville and, and, and sits down. That's the only blowout we're going to get. But anyway, uh, offensive-defensive stats for uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is 102nd in total offense scoring at 19.2 points per game. They're also 116th in total defense, allowing opponents to score 38 points per game. Good Lord. This is like our defense from last year. Uh, yeah. Vanderbilt also allows 221.8 average rush yards per game, and that's good for 107th in the nation, and 269.5 average passing yards per game. So, yeah, offensively and defensively, Vanderbilt is just terrible, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, Clark Lee had a – major restoration job to do, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, and I don't know that they are, but I mean, they're, they're bad. I will say this. I, I thought a little bit more Ken Seals. Like I, I thought, I thought he was a little bit, was going to be a little bit better. Now, obviously he doesn't have no help or, or anything like that, but you know, five touchdowns, five interceptions, I and mean, it's kind of whatever, uh, 894 yards passing kind of whatever. Um, I, I thought he was a little bit better. I, I was impressed with him last year. Um, maybe that was because Florida's defense was terrible. But, um, you know, still, you go into this game and, you know, you like your you like your chances. I mean, it just kind of is what it is. You like your chances in this game um, of, of putting up some real big numbers, both offensively and defensively. I mean, um, you shouldn't really have to worry about um, Bandy, you know, beating you through the air or running the ball, you should be able to, you know, hold that down for the most part. Um, and you should be able to kind of do what you want to do on offense in, in this game. So um, it, to me, I don't know. I know this is going to sound like last week. To me, this is a game to fix yourself. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think I mean, Georgia set the standard a couple weeks ago up 35, nothing in the first quarter. I mean, that's – I don't know. I don't expect 35 points the first quarter this week, but I think that's kind of a similar type of performance what you're looking for. Get this game over with early. Get the freshman in and the third quarter at the absolute latest and let's make this stress-free on everybody. I don't want to be sitting up there in the press box at halftime when it's 17 to 10 or wondering if I'm going to have to write a Gators lose to Vandy story. Like, I'm not, I don't Get want to Anthony do that. in early. Get Anthony in early. Um Make David happy. Get Bowman and Lingard in. Kidding. Please, uh, please. You know, get some of those guys in. I mean, that's this is your opportunity. But I'm going to be – the thing for me is this, and and I want to see Emory throw the ball. I, I, I do. Like, I, I know you can run the ball against – well, okay, let me rephrase that. You should be able to run the ball against Fandy. You should be able to run the ball with ease against Fandy. Yeah. Um, so, I, I really don't need to see that. I really don't. I, I want to see you throw the ball. I want to see Emory throw the ball. Put it on tape that he can do it. Um, show us all he can do it. I mean, Georgia put up 532 yards total offense uh, against Vandy. They only allowed Vandy to get four first downs. So, if you have a turnover here and there, it's okay. You yeah. still win. Yeah. Um, 
I, I was about I was about to say Georgia ha- also had three quarterbacks in that game playing because they were beating them so bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, it's yeah. bad. Uh, Ethan, yeah. keys to the game. Um, get off the bus with eleven players. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is this was one of the worst rosters I think ever assembled in SEC history. They're playing against, so yeah, yeah. They're, they're playing against a quarterback that's got like a twenty-seven point five QBR, which is pretty bad. It's one hundred fifteenth in the nation. Uh, their total team passer rating is ranked one hundred fourteenth at one hundred five point eight. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that, and this is a funny stat too. I dug up too their time of possession, right? Thirty minutes and twenty seconds. They rank fifty sixth in time of possession, which really? is good. But Vanderbilt ranks in, what is it? Let me see. It was like 318.8 average punt yards per game. Yeah. So primarily Jeez. when they're wow. getting the ball, they're, they're, they're hogging the ball. They're milking clock. But every time they milk clock, they have to punt it. So, well, you know, they're averaging 318.8 punt yards per game. You're punting <laughs> it that much per game? Good God. And you're milking clock. So all, we, all you got to do is keep Vanderbilt from getting – little chunk first downs and then you can score at least like 60 points on, on Georgia. Uh, and the reason Vanderbilt. and the reason they're they're winning time of possessions because when teams have the ball, they don't have it long before they score. So Right, yeah, that's that's true too. Yeah, they're probably scoring 315 yards total off, I mean, yeah, total off or 315 yards a game. That's that's punting. awful. Punting. <laughs> no, on 315 315's what they're averaging on offense. Oh, uh, offensively and, like all the whole yeah. offense. Yeah, punting. I mean, rushing and passing. Uh, they're only averaging uh, 196 through the air, 119 through the ground, which says a lot because you're trailing a lot of games and you're still only putting up 196 yards passing. Like, mm, yeah, mm, mm, mm. 82nd. Um, yeah, they're it's not very good. Just every stat you go down to the Vanderbilt's just not good. And I mean, like, they're really. It's like Ethan said. All Florida has to do is get off the bus. And not turn over the ball, and, and, and like you Y'all said, say like, that. Y'all say that, and watch this crap be close. Well, I didn't. I never said it wasn't going to be close. I just said this is what should happen. You know, you you take the field. <laughs> yeah. You should beat Vanderbilt. You should blow them out. You should get turnovers. You right. should be. You should look great in every aspect of this game, even on special teams. Their players are that bad, but they don't have one key player on their team that I'm like. Like if you look at it, their leading rusher, I believe, only rushes for what? Two fifteen. Rocco Griffin has two hundred fifteen yards yeah. rushing on the year. Their their leading running back, two hundred fifteen yards in yeah. five games. If Florida, if, if if Florida can't contain the run, and I thought Kenny Seals was was decent last year, he just got worse, and I think our defense is just a lot better than they were last year, though. Too, our defense was abysmal last year, so. I can't really. Count the thing for me is this, and and we can we can we can cherry pick around it all we want. Florida has to come out with a mindset, and the mindset's got to be that you're going to freaking tear down those doors and you're going to kick Vanderbilt's tail like you should. Period. That's what it is. You, you were embarrassed last week. You can call it what you want to do. You were embarrassed last week. Dan was taken. All the players talked about it. They didn't like the social media talk from fans. Well, guess what? Fans are fans. They're going to do it. So get over it. Show them. Do something. Do something against Vandy. Come out with the mindset of, okay, we're going to win in thumb wrestling. Well, guess what? Kick the crap out of Vanderbilt. The offensive line, you got to come out with a sense of urgency. These guys suck up front. Pound them around. 
uh, throw the ball through the air. If if Copen and uh, Xavier Henderson and Justin Shorter can't win some one-on-one matchups with these guys, there's bigger problems in this program than we think. Defensively, if you can't get to Ken Seals and you can't stop this running game, there's bigger problems than it is. Key of the game, come out with a sense of urgency that you're going to dominate the person in front of you and, and right the ship. That's it. Right the ship. Yeah, also, uh, do not get penalties. Uh, penalties were no false starts. This You're, you're, you're at home. So there's going to be nobody screaming while you're lining up. And my, my friend Dave joked uh, about this last week. He said, we might as well yell when the offense is on the field to get practice for next week against LSU. And I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, there's not going to be yo- – so I don't want to see any false start penalties. Uh, penalties per game, and I shared this stat with you, Andrew. Florida's currently ranked 115th in the nation in penalties per game at 8.2 penalties on average per game. Also giving up an average of 72.6 yards in penalties per game, ranked 111th. Before playing Kentucky, Florida was 87th in average penalty yards per game at 62 and 66th in average penalties per game at 6.5. So playing Kentucky jumped those numbers up really well. Yeah. And Florida is not that bad. I know they're not that bad in penalties. So clean the penalties up. Tackling. Got to make tackles. Uh, what about Ethan, last week? I'm going to put game? you on the spot real quick. <laughs> you may know this because I sure don't. I forgot the number. Um, that's that's terrible, but whatever. Uh, wasn't Florida highly last year in penalties? I don't know the exact number, but I think it was the last couple of years they were near the top of the SEC in fewest penalties. So it's, it hasn't been a se- recurring theme during Mullen's time. Yeah, I mean it's it seemed to get better. You know, it was a problem yeah. under Muschamp, really bad. It did seem to get better. Um, it's got to continue to get better. I mean, it just. It, 15 penalties cannot happen, man. It can't. I don't care if you're playing in Death Valley, if you're playing in Kentucky. I don't care where it's happening. That can't happen. That's just – they're unforced penalties. Unforced penalties. The same thing, like I said, Elijah Blades would not play for me this week. After that stupid penalty for him last week, he wouldn't play for me this week. He wouldn't get a jersey and be on my sideline this week. Yeah, uh, Florida last year was 5.3 penalties per game, and this year they're 8.2. So, yeah, they did get worse yeah. from last year. I, I didn't really uh, – you know, Florida drew penalties last year, but not as many as this year. Um, well, so. they had a lot of holding calls, holding calls because of, you know, the sliding glass doors. So, hey, go ahead, you know. Well, we'll call it, no names. We're talking about that, this year, the, 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 the uh, magical Alabama holding calls that they got. Yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you look at – you look at this team, and, you know, I mean, uh, your team is, you know, you, you, you win and you lose, yes. But your team is also, and your program is also dissected and judged off of what happens. You know, I was, I'll give you a story real quick. I was talking to an NFL scout at, a, at the Alabama-Florida game, and he said to me, he said, you know, I don't come to watch the game as far as to see how they do on the field. He goes, my job as a scout here is obviously, you know, to watch them for sure. But he said, my job is to see what they do in between plays, to see what they do on the sidelines, to see how they react to penalties, to see how they react to coaching. So you're, you're judged by that. And that's the thing that we 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 miss. And, 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 you know, okay, yes, it was one false start penalty. But that says a lot about you when you keep making that same mistake over and over and over. When when you have penalties like Elijah Blades, that that says things about you. Yeah, 
It, it just does. And I'm not trying to pick on anyone. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or, or single anyone out. But it is what it is. You have to correct those problems for yourself, for your team, for your program. And it and it does start with Dan. It does start up top with Mullen. If the guys can't fix it, you have to find somebody that can do that job. If if player A can't do the job and, and continues to make the same mistakes, I mean, Spurrier used to say it himself. It's, it's my fault. I'm the reason you're playing. I put you out there. It's my fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. So either fix it or get out. Full start penalty is easy. Watch the ball. That's it. Yeah. Watch the ball and I mean, don't just try the same snap count the entire game. We haven't even gotten into that yet. But, but see, that, that's the what thing happened? for me, Ethan, and, and – and we'll get into it. I mean, I mean, we can get into it a little deeper, but that's an excuse for me. And, and I say it's an excuse for me and because you're going to a silent snap count. Okay, yes, Emery's clapping his hand twice. And yes, Kingsley has to snap the ball. But the entire offensive line is looking at the ball. Stuart Reese is looking at the ball. Why are you jumping off sides? The ball didn't move. Why are you moving? You know, you have Kamori Gamble. Jump off sides. Malik Davis would have false start. Malik, what are you doing? Do you see the ball go between his legs? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought after like the fourth time it happened, there would be like some sort of increased sense of urgency to watch the ball. And they just yeah. seemed content to do the same thing the entire game. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. It's like if you want to be a step forward on the defense and you're getting false start penalties, you might want to take that back and just kind of be like a split second less faster than the de- than the defense that you're facing just to make sure there's no false start penalties. <laughs> that, yeah. that would be something that I would be doing this week is saying, yeah. okay, let's slow my roll here. Let's wait till I absolutely know for a fact the play is going on and then start moving. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would rather see Emory Jones get creamed in the back this week because they were a half second late reacting than to see eight flags flying before the play again. I don't know about that one. Now. <laughs> I mean, I, that's on. how far I would go with this. Hold on now. I mean, I really go the opposite direction here. Well, then you would give the fans. I mean, it just it's it's silly. I mean, it's the same thing as an offside. I mean, a, a holding call. You do it once. Okay, cool. Don't keep doing it. And you know, I mean, it, it's just it's just like lining up offsides. That's simple. Look at the ball. Why are you offsides? Yeah. Why did you line up all sides? It's just small things, and it's attention to detail. It's uh, a sense of you know pride in yourself, but doing your job, trusting your teammates, doing what you're supposed to do. I, you know, uh, again, one or two. Okay, I get it. You had eight. Yeah. You had eight. You had guys on the field goal team not getting out there. What are you doing? And, and also, we alluded to this, too. Uh, I'm not trying to change the subject or anything, but we alluded to getting off to a fast start, right? Florida got off to a fast start on offense, but it includes a defense, too. You can't score and then just let the other team score right off the bat as well. You got to score. You got to stop them. You got to score again. A two-touchdown lead is a pretty good fast start in the first quarter. If you can score 14 points a quarter, you're doing pretty damn well. And, uh, you know, Florida, honestly, on average, I looked it up too. The first quarter, they're averaging nine point six points per uh, per game, but the first quarter, they're also giving up seven point six points per game, which is the most on both statistical categories in the first quarter. So, yeah, that you know, 
your defense has to know what the other team is doing at the beginning of the game. And I understand you're still trying to figure out the defensive and offensive schemes of both teams in the first quarter, but you got to get back off to a fast start. Because if you get off to a fast start, we talked about it, margin for error. It leaves yep. a bigger margin for error if you can get off to a fast start. And yeah, especially I mean, you, ask that, you ask that question all the time, and that is, is your team good enough to overcome big deficits? Yeah. And we haven't okay. seen it yet. but No, and the thing about it is, is when you're running an offense that Dan wants to run, where it's control the tempo, run the ball, that kind of stuff, no, your, your offense isn't built for it. You're just not. And I think if they just got off to a two-touchdown lead, like David said, against Kentucky, with the way that team passes the ball, that's all it would have taken was a two-touchdown lead at some point in the game, and that game's probably over. Yeah, and it's, it's also frustrating when you see the defense give up a touchdown back-to-back weeks on what looked like a very similar play. It's the same screenplay where they throw it off the side into the slot, and a guy breaks three tackles, maybe even the same three guys that missed the tackle as the week before. Just you think that would be like a huge point emphasis the following can practice you would say no matter what happens we are not letting that play beat us well but it, yeah. well, the, the same things keep beating them well if you look at the things that doomed them in the alabama and kentucky game was tackling i mean if you look at all the running back tackles that florida did have in the alabama game they, they could have stopped the running backs on third down and didn't complete the tackle alabama would be punting it they wouldn't be scoring down the field same with kentucky after the their main receiver caught the ball the tackle was right there didn't make the tackle. He runs right in for a touchdown. And but see, I think what you're, what both of y'all just said makes Wonderlick's point about the margin of error even more so true. Yeah. Um, Alabama was good enough that they overcome some mess tackles. They overcome some penalties. Yep. Florida isn't good enough right now to overcome those same penalties. They're not over, good enough to to overcome multiple third and longs, you know, like you said, yes, if you got a 14 point lead there, you're not kicking the field goal and it gets blocked in return. I mean, what was it? Trevez had returned it to what the 25 and it was a holding call and then a full start penalty that pushed it back to where you have a third and long. And then you, you run a quarterback draw and you have to kick the field goal. So, it all worked. It, It all works together. It's all a story. And, you're not good enough, and, and you have to. And I think that might be wherein it lies a little bit. And that is, and, and I and I say this respectfully, but Dan is a very, I don't want to say arrogant, a very um, prideful guy. I guess is the best way to say it. Um, but maybe he has to think about it and understand. Hey, I don't have the team to overcome silly mistakes. I need to fix this and get out to a good start and limit the mistakes or my team's just not going to be good enough. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and also what's worrisome, we didn't even mention it too, margin for error is the fact that, you know, I, I'm not opposed to going into the portal and getting a kid, especially like a DeMarcus Bowman or Justin Shorters or some of those five-star kids that either didn't get an opportunity to play or in DeMarcus Bowman's case, wanted to go to Clemson. Something happened in his family. Unfortunately, he comes to Florida uh, I'm not opposed to getting kids out of the transfer portal, but it does get a little bit worrisome every year when I see Dan gets five, six, seven guys out of the transfer portal because of lack of recruiting. Like he, you're band-aiding issues because of lack of depth. And that's the bigger issue that I have. And I'm not, and I'm not opposed to the transfer portal because it helps. 
It, it helps every single team. Kirby went into the transfer portal. It got two guys that were just elite. He didn't need them, but he got them. Uh, it was, you know, eventually Dan's going to have to recruit at a higher level to win these games that are close to, you know, it, it's just got to get better. And if it doesn't get better, we're going to be sitting here every year. Ten win seasons, nine win seasons. Uh, never probably get past the ten win mark, go to a New Year's Six Bowl game, or get to the SEC Championship. And maybe win it, maybe not. But that's where you can't we're, rely on the, You can't rely on the transfer portal. You can't. For several reasons. And that is because, you know, it, it happened last year, for instance, with Florida, uh, with the offensive line. They expected to be able to go into the transfer portal and land some guys. They missed on a couple guys, and then there wasn't a very much quality there. So they get Delance and Reese to come back, and they've played much better. Both of those guys have, but they weren't the guys you were expecting to get. You and you continue to do that in your in, in your recruiting, you know, in in the transfer portal to offset your recruiting, and it you may hit on it once or twice, just like you do in JUCO. You may hit on it once or twice, but you're not going to bat a thousand. You're not going to bat a thousand in recruiting. But at least in recruiting, you know what's out there. You can see it. You can recruit the top players. You have the opportunity to recruit those guys. In the transfer portal, you're just hoping that one of those top players gets pissed off or or whatever with whatever team he's at and decides to transfer. And if it doesn't happen, then guess what? And then you're, you know, okay, let's just say a star offensive tackle transfers out. Then you're battling 15 other teams that have that thing, and one of those may be Alabama or one of those may be Ohio State, whose team is looking to have that one piece to go to a championship. You're just you're running a, rig, a, a big risk. You're gambling with something you don't have by relying on the transfer portal. And I've said that all along. The transfer portal should be a bonus. It should not yep. replace recruiting. It should be a bonus. And – I think that in a lot of ways, I mean, let's look at it. In, in running back, for instance, they haven't they haven't signed a running back in two years. They they signed Lorenzo Lingard and Demarcus Bowman from the portal, but you still haven't signed a high school kid. Bowman and Lingard could very easily bolt after next year if they have a good year. And then what do you have left on your roster? Yeah, and and you got an incoming Terrence Gibbs who I love. I love Terrence Gibbs' film, but he's overcoming an ACL injury. So you, mm-hmm. you got yeah. that. Hasn't played in two years. Right. Yeah. And, and when you go to the transfer portal too, you're, there's a reason those guys are in the portal. Like if there were five-star players who were playing well at Alabama or Georgia or whatever, they wouldn't be in the portal. Yeah. So you're essentially trying to beat those teams with players that those teams didn't want for some reason or another. And so you're not going to beat a team with their own leftovers. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, you know, the hype was the hype. there with Britton Cox. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think Britton Cox has played well. But – was he the say-all, good-all that everyone expected when they landed him because he was a former five-star? No. Was Justin Shorter, you know, everybody was, you know, pounding the table. He was the, one of the top five receivers in the country. He was a five-star. The reason he left Penn State. There's a reason. Um, you know, every now and then you'll get a guy who leaves a, you know, a, a USF or a UCF because they're really good and they want to get to the SEC or they want to get to, you know, the Pac-12, or yeah. they want to get to a bigger conference, you get that every now and then. Yeah, like, but you're like, running a risk when you ask players to transfer from another SEC team. 
Yeah, like Jonathan yeah. Grenard was a, is a prime example of what you're explaining. Yeah, like he wanted to play exactly. in the SEC. He was familiar with Todd Grantham's scheme. He wanted to come to the University of Florida, and he played lights out. He was fantastic. Right. And then you get a guy like Trayvon Grimes who wanted to come closer to home, and that worked out. But yeah. then you get a Justice Shorter, and I mean, listen, Shorter's done some good things. But has he been the the five-star pound, your, pound the table guy for? No, he's just been a guy. Yeah, I think you make a good point, man. I mean, you know, it, it can be good and it can be bad. You got to allude to Van Jefferson, though, too. He was kind of the same way, but he actually wound up turning and Now, out Van good. had a different yeah. thing because of the whole Hugh Freeze thing. Like, yeah. you know, he didn't leave, per se, because he didn't play. He left because his coach left. You got anything to add to that, Ethan? I know, but... Are just, you in the transfer portal? Uh, I don't know, but the way people are entering now might. I mean, who knows? Be like a chat field. You're going to, you know, be in the portal, but you're still going to, you know. I ain't going to Oregon, though. That's no. (laughs) What was with that? I mean, just you couldn't find anywhere closer than 5,000 miles away. Well, you wouldn't have let him play. He wouldn't have been dressing on my football team as long as he was in that transfer portal. You could be like Tate Martell and live in the portal. So. Yeah, that, is he that's, is he even playing? I don't, even I don't playing? even know, and I feel bad. He's for like Nevada or UNLV or something. UNLV, and he moved to receiver after everybody in the country from stops uh-huh. at where wherever the fifty schools it seems like he's been tried to convince the kid. And yeah, prime example that just because you're a five star don't mean you're going to work out. Right, and uh, we still got to pick so, our three players, man. What are we doing? Yeah, let's do this. Who's uh? We're gonna do three for three, man. So did we right, even win? Any, did we even win anything last week? I don't. Think I we don't did. know. I, nobody's getting wins for last week. Yeah, that there's no more victories. <laughs> no, no more victories. So go for it, David. You start, and then we'll let Ethan go. I'm gonna pick Emory Jones, Vanderbilt. Emory Jones got to pass the ball. I think he's gonna have a good game. So I'm gonna go with Emory Jones. I'm gonna roll off there. I. Don't don't know exactly where I'm gonna go. Let's see. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Jacob Copeland. I think I think they're gonna hit a deep ball early in this game. He's gonna get a 50 plus yard touchdown. Beamer Jones' longest throw of the season. He, he's gonna come through for me. AR 15. Ah snap. Yeah. That's gonna be my second pick. So you think it's gonna be that bad then, Andrew? We're gonna see AR a lot more. I'm not commenting. I'm just saying AR 15. <laughs> so you think uh? You think there's going to be a B word or or what? I'm not I'm not commenting. AR15. All right. All right. AR15 <laughs> for you. I'm going with Damian Pierce. Running back Damian Pierce. Uh Vanderbilt is very very terrible at uh stopping the run. Damian Pierce has proved to be one of the two and, and I'll give Malik Davis credit too. He's been one of the two, but Damian Pierce that bowling ball guy. I love the way he's been running lately, so I'm going to go ahead and pick Damian Pierce. Does he get his carries and our eight carries and then get benched? Yeah, let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, Zach Carter. Uh, Alabama and Kentucky can't block him. Neither can Vandy. Yeah, yeah. every yeah. team he stepped in front of can't block him. I, I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, not uh, not good for that. Well, I'm gonna go with Jason Marshall. There you go. Ken Seals ain't very good. I don't think Kyrie Elam plays this week. Jason Marshall. Mm, making it hard for me. So. Uh... Let's see. I'm going down, uh, you know, screw it. I'll pick Justin Shorter. I'm going to pick Justin Shorter. Oh, you're going to go with the guy I just picked on. Huh? You're going to go with the guy I just picked on. 
Yeah, I know. Justin Shorter. I think uh, I, I think I think he's going to listen to this podcast. Andrew want to prove you wrong. I think that's what's going to happen. Let me say this: I'm not nowhere near bashing Justin Shorter. I'm, I was I'm, just using that for an example. No, I'm not you, but for anyone listening, I was just using that for an example that just because what they were in high school don't mean that's what they are in college. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Malik Davis, my final pick. I, just, I don't think he might. I hate all of y'all. I don't think Vanderbilt's defense got anybody that can keep up with his speed. I think he'll be a better pick, I think, than Pierce just because he's more valuable as like a receiver. And I think he'll have more – I think he'll have more to, the most total yards amongst the running backs this week. Well, screw all of y'all because here's what's going to happen. DeMarcus Bowman. Oh, goodness. You know, I was, I was about to pick him too because yeah. – I don't know. If he gets in the game, that's considered a win, maybe. I'm not sure if yeah. there's, there's going to be a B word. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Because if I say it, it's not going to happen. So I don't. That's why I said AR 15. I didn't have no statement of why AR 15. I said AR 15. Well, I did say that you think there's going to be a B word then, right? And all I said was AR 15. That's it. Demarcus Bowman's going to play. Swatch. I don't know anything. What about. You think he's going to play on uh, special teams? Mm, special. Do you no. know something they we play, don't know? They don't play special teams anyway, so no. Marcus Bowman's going to have a rushing touchdown. It's first to Florida. By the way, Jaquavion Frazier's last week. Congrats on your first touchdown, my man. Oh yeah, did not really didn't realize that because I was caught in all the mayhem of of just getting angry at all the play calls last week. But yeah, I didn't catch that. So. All right, before we get out of here, gun to head. David, do they cover? Mm, yeah. Ethan? No. I'm going no, too. So. There we go. All right. Well, um, there is some other games. You want to go talk these other games we got here? Yeah, we um, can talk a few other games Iowa, around Penn here. Iowa State, three versus four. What you got? Iowa, Penn Do we State. really even care who wins this game? It's not really. Yeah, it's one of those boring three versus four games ever. Two Big Ten teams are just going to run the ball for three hours. First one to 20 wins. First one to 20 wins. I'm going to go Penn State. All right. Penn Uh, State. I'm going Iowa. I don't like, I I just don't trust James Franklin in big games. Neither do I, but I'm going, or not Iowa. I'm going Penn State too. I don't, I don't think Iowa's as good as as everybody thinks they are. I, I, I just, I can't go with Iowa, man. Let's go to the county fair. Oh, you are hook'em horns. Ooh, I, I'm does Sark get the win that says I'm here? Oklahoma has been playing kind of shaky lately. I'm going to go ahead and pick Texas. I think Texas has lost to Arkansas. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I, Texas lost. They lost Arkansas. They got two quarterbacks are bouncing back and forth between. Neither one of them can really throw the ball. Oklahoma's not. I don't think as good as they've been the last couple of years, but they're still. I think. Pretty superior to Texas at this point. What does Lee Corso say for Oklahoma? Give me that musket or something. Looks like a gun and shoots and says something. Like that. Texas has a running back yeah. that's already rushed Give me that. 52 that's yards. What, ah, Sark, Sark, he 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 got issues. He he might he county fair. He might be hitting the county fair Friday night. <laughs> what about Arkansas? And not just for corn dogs, you're saying? No, not for corn dogs. Arkansas, Ole Miss. Who do you got? Who do you got? Lane, Lane puts a yeah. pounding on Arkansas. Yeah, the, the, the Arkansas love fest is, is coming to an end. Unfortunately, it's come, it's going to come crashing down for a second week in a row. Yeah, I think Arkansas is a little overrated. They beat a very bad Texas A&M team. I'm picking Ole Miss. 
Yeah. Does Georgia cover against Auburn? I know we're all going to pick Georgia. 15 and a half points at Auburn. Yeah, they cover. Uh, I don't – Bo Nix isn't good. I want to say they cover, but it feels like Auburn always plays them close for some reason. I don't know why. Just Auburn does play them close. Yeah, and, but, but I can't trust Bo Nix. Like, I don't know if I trust Kirby to cover a spread or Bo Nix to not play terrible more. So, I, I'll say they cover. A defense, they don't cover. They don't cover. A defense playing like Georgia with a quarterback that overthrows all of his receivers, I think Georgia covers that spread. But They yeah. don't cover. Listen to me. They don't cover. What if they lose? They're not going to lose, but they don't cover. Let's they, go to – they lose, uh, I'll be happy. Let's go back up to Lexington. Lexington. The Tigers of Baton Rouge travel up to go on number 16, Kentucky. LSU. Oh, this yeah. I'm I going LSU. LSU. Yeah, I'm going LSU too, but I think if, if LSU loses, is the Orgeron hot seat heat up? Oh, they, Orgeron they hot fire seat's him? on. Would they fire him two years after a championship? They already got the grill on him. That, guy, that man gone. But Kentucky already beat Florida, man, so why would it be a hot seat? I don't know. Yeah. LSU wins. <laughs> Kentucky's <laughs> not good. I don't care what nobody tells me. Kentucky's not good. Yeah, yeah, no. I know. Let's just Hold try that to race tiger. last Saturday, man. Hold that tiger. All right, last one, and then we're getting out of here. Go. Alabama, 17.5-point favorites against the millionaire Jimbo Fisher. They're covering that spread. Oh, yeah. I might I might take twice that spread. If you give me 34, I might take that. a horrible. Jimbo was telling recruits this was the year he was going to beat Bama. And don't, don't, don't forget that Nick Saban hears everything, and Nick's going to put a pounding on poor old Jimbo. Yeah, no. poor old Jimbo. I feel so bad for him. Not really. I, I don't understand why people give keep giving Saban this free ammunition. Like, it's the dumbest thing people do. First of all, if you're an Alabama assistant, you you don't beat him. No. So yeah, That's I think Kiffin will be the I think Kiffin will be the first one to beat him, but I don't know. If we, a I'm gonna be back. honest. I could see Georgia beating him this year. Alabama, Alabama is not as great as, as they they have been. We'll see. I will see. I could see them beating him this year. I just hope it doesn't happen because the uh, dreaded 1980 jokes can't to win. I, I never do either. That's right. Come on, Bo Nix. That's right. Do so, Do us Come a on, favor, Bo, Bo Nix. Let's go. Come on, Bo. Get that, uh, what is it, Lipton sweet tea or yeah. whatever it was. Milo's. Milo's, that's right. Milo's and Bojangles. Come on, man. Yeah. Earn your uh, NIL paycheck. Earn your NIL paycheck and please be accurate when you're throwing the football this time. Because um, just don't throw the ball. Because Finley wasn't yeah. obviously doing it done against LSU, and you let it come back. So yeah, and that also made me mad too. Watching Kentucky beat us and us also, us almost coming back, and then Auburn coming back and beating LSU. I was like, why couldn't we have done that, man? Get us out of here, my man. Let's get ready for homecoming uh, in the swamp. All right, for Andrew Spivey and for Ethan. Hughes here at Gator Country. This is your boy David Soderquist. You can follow Ethan Hughes at ehughes97. You can follow Ethan Hughes on Twitter. You can follow me at GC on Twitter. And you can follow Andrew Spivey at GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.